Amen. Good morning, everybody. I want to take a moment before we get to the word this morning. Um, you know, I want to take a quick pause to pray. And let me tell you what, why we're praying. Right now, the world around us, there's so many things that are happening with, with this pandemic, uh, now classified as a pandemic, the, the coronavirus. Uh, also, here in our church, we've suffered loss uh, a few people just this week alone and even last night. And, and so this is something that I want to make sure that we're focused on what it is that we need to do as a church. Number one, you don't want to panic. Many people are out there with the media hype, they're panicking, they're going crazy, they're doing all these different things. Number two, what you don't want to do is to be surprised by this either. Why, God, is this happening? This happened with the disciples. Jesus over and over told them that the Son of Man needed to die. But he will resurrect in three days. And the temple will be destroyed, but in three days it will be revealed. And over and over, in many different ways, he shared these things. And the minute that they came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out his sword, and he's ready to fight and kill the soldier and all of these things. He ended up missing, cut the ear. Jesus put it back and says, chill, it's okay. And then the disciples spread out and dispersed like sheep without a shepherd. And they were distraught and saying, oh, no. Then Jesus appeared, he resurrected, oh no, mm -mm, we don't believe it. And even Thomas, well, unless I could put my little finger in the little hole and go like that, then then maybe I will believe it. How are you surprised and shocked that this happened to Jesus when he had been telling you? How are you surprised and shocked that 2020 so far has had anywhere from the earthquakes and volcanoes and the storms and the fires and the diseases and the market and all of these things happening when the Bible said very clearly that as the dawning of the Son of Man, as his return comes, that the contraction, the, the, the labor pangs are going to draw nearer and nearer together. Things are going to get uglier and uglier. Yes, we've always had diseases. Yes, we've always had fires. Yes, we've always had earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and disaster and chaos. But we're seeing the contractions closer and closer together. As the people of God, it shouldn't be a why God, but it should be the plea that we see in the book of Revelation where it says, oh, Lord, how much longer? Let us kneel, let us pray, and let us ask God at this moment to continue to pour out his mercies and his blessings upon us. Because my God is a God that doesn't keep his people necessarily from the storm, but through the storm is where he carries us through. Not from the fiery furnace, but through it. Not from the coronavirus, but through it. He's going to be a God that is going to carry us through. And when the question is asked, who are these people? These are they that suffer but came out victorious, who were bloody and sinful, but now they have white robes. Biblically speaking, is not painting a beautiful picture of prosperity and happiness and rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. Things are going to get ugly, but the uglier they are, the more we need to be on our knees. And so I want to invite you to pray. I'm going to do a two-part prayer, not only for our church and our world, but our, and our church family, and then I'll pray for a blessing as we get into today's message. I don't know what the rest of the world is doing, but regardless of what's happening, we will always pray, and we will always praise God. Is that all right? Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, we come before you. Lord, right now you know all of those families whether it has been through suicide 
unfortunately, in mental illness and addictions, where there has been of old age or diseases that have suffered here in this congregation, in Tallahassee. This is part of our family. I ask that you visit with them right now where they are, that you give them comfort, that you embrace them, that you let them know that they're not alone and that they will get through this. Father God, I ask that you be with the rest of our church family. Some of them are ill or not here today. Some of them are traveling. Give them protection. Traveling right now is not the safest thing in this world because of this pandemic that is happening worldwide. Lord, now more than ever, we are in need of a Savior. Now more than ever, we need you to intervene. Now more than ever, we need godly people who trust in you who are going to share your light with the world. Father God, please, please, please be with everyone involved, whether it is the leadership of the church, whether it is the CDC, whether it's school teachers and, and, and principals, or, or, or even within our own homes. Give us the wisdom and the ability to determine the best course of action as we deal with the things that are happening in this world. But all of our intellect, all of our ideas, all of our research, all of our passion means absolutely nothing unless this is ordained by you. So we're asking for an anointing of your Holy Spirit for wisdom, guidance, and direction, especially in the times that we're in. Right now, Father God, as we're going to get to today's message, we're asking for a continual outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Anoint my lips, that it be you speaking and not I, Father God, and prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. We ask these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen. Growth in virtue. Growth in virtue. Today, you know, as you know, we have been going through Peter. Last week we finished First Peter chapter 5. We're going to be in Second Peter chapter 1 today. But before we do that, before we do that, I want you to understand why this is growth in virtue. This is inspired by Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1. But look at this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and we have it on the screen. And it says the following, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. My God is a God that says, come to me as you are. It doesn't matter. Words and all. He loves you. He embraces you. But he will take you from where you are to where it is that he wants you to be. And so, if you have been attending the church forever, if you are a 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 18th, 20th generation Adventist, and still, and still, in the midst of chaos, you respond how the world does, and, and you are sort of not grounded in Jesus, growth needs to take place. Not only that, I take it even further. Understand something. I have a big issue a big issue with churches that are so big on rules and regulations. I cannot stand rules and regulations. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, can't eat this, can't drink that, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Why? Because when we focus on rules and regulations, we miss the reasoning behind many things. This is why when Jesus healed the, the, the paralytic man and he says, pick up your mat and walk, the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and all of the religious leaders, the pastors, the ministers, the elders, the deacons, were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you carrying your mat on Sabbath? Well, the guy that healed me said that I should pick up my mat and work. Oh, he healed you on the Sabbath? You've heard me tell this before because it is absurd how we focus on rule and we forget the importance. And they said, ha, huh, we need to figure out how to kill this guy because apparently on the Sabbath, carrying a mat is sinful, healing is sinful, but planning a murder is okay. You see what happens when you focus on the rules? 
You need to focus on the relationship with Christ because when you measure yourself up with Christ, you realize how wretched, how miserable, and how sinful you are. And you recognize your dire need for a redeemer and a savior. And when you allow Christ to work in, your, work in your life, it is not about the rules. It is about character building. It is about transformation. You are becoming Christ-like. You're not following rules. You're simply living differently because of Christ. Now, notice something. I'm not saying that you're going to throw all the rules out the window. What I'm saying is don't take your rules from a rule book, but yet have a relationship with Christ, and you will learn everything and anything that there is to know about my Savior and allow him to change your life some of us some of us my brother and I uh, my older brother him and I fought every day we're three years apart raised by the same parents and there's something that happened with my brother and I when he was getting older he kept messing up and my mom would like please Reuben please don't do this don't do that and he would still do it but please ah, and he would still do it until one day I said stop it ma'am yes ma'am and he got it when I got that age and I started doing similar things, she would hit me and I did it again. And she would hit me and I did it again. And she would hit me and I did it again. Until she says, Joey, my hand hurts. I'm tired of hurting you. What's going on? Could you please stop? Oh, yes, ma'am. Sure. Slapping my brother worked out. Talking to me worked out. If my parents got it backwards, there would have been a problem. Does that make sense? And so biblically speaking, some of us will read the word of God and we get it. Some of us, spiritually speaking, need to be smacked up a little bit. And then we'll get it. Some of us need to be smacked up a lot. Some of us have short-term memory. You know, something happens. Oh, God, I promise that if you do X, Y, and Z, I will do this. And that lasts like a day. And then the next day you forget all about it and you're right back to doing what you've been doing. But if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. Proverbs 12.1. Now, I'm reading this. This is New King James now. So this is not my language. This is the old king now. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is what, church? Is stupid. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with getting a few tips on how to live more God-like. But some of us reject that. Some of us think we got it. Some of us are foolish enough that, well, I've been at this for 20 years, 30 years. I have nothing else to learn. The minute you stop learning is the minute you stop living is the minute that, biblically speaking, you become stupid. I'm just reading from the word of God now. Come on. And so if you really love God, if you really love knowledge, as you get to know him, you realize that he is going to be correcting you the rest of your life. You realize he's going to be working with you, but you got to be open to all of this. Now, why is this important? Well, if you remember, the world was perfect once upon a time. There was no sin in the world. But the minute that sin entered the world, now we all became sinful. And now we were imprisoned by sin. And now we do things differently. And God is simply trying to restore us how, to how things were once upon a time. But for some of us, we have gone so far away and strayed so far from the ways of God that we need more than ever correction and instruction to how to do justly and walk rightly with our God. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. 
This is the text here that many of us, I'll give you an example of correction because God wants us to love one another and work with one another. It says, therefore, Matthew 5, 23 to 24, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, verse 24, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. How was your last family reunion? I say this every time I get a chance. What about a family member you haven't spoken to in a while? We have such a tough time asking forgiveness and seeking for forgiveness or even granting forgiveness. We see biblical examples where God is saying, hey, check yourself. Come on, where are you? I'll give you another example. And I put it here today because it wasn't part of the original message, but I had communion at the Crawfordville Church this morning. And there are some passages in communion that we read. We read 1 Corinthians 11, 24, 25, and 26. But I want to show you a couple before and a couple of after. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. Look what it says in there. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. Have you not seen in our churches, whether now or in the past, cliques and groups and divisions? And yet we come here and we partake like nothing. We call ourselves brothers and sisters. We may even greet each other with a holy kiss or because of the virus, maybe a foot five at the moment. But we do all of these things and yet we're not really united. Look at verse 20, just a few verses later, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty. 20. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. Now, this is specifically talking about the Lord's Supper that we're doing in, in remembrance of, of God. And, and, and as long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we profess the Lord's name until he comes. I mean, the Lord's death until he comes. That's biblically. But how many of you come to church not because you're really seeking to consume the body and the blood of Jesus, but because it's tradition? Because it's just a thing to do. Because it feels weird staying home. Some of you got my email from yesterday where I say, hey, if you're feeling under the weather or you're not comfortable, stay at home. It's okay. Just say a prayer. We'll still meet. We'll still have church. We'll still do these different things. You know, right now with the CDC and everything that's happening, the recommendation in like Washington, Maryland, some other states, congregations larger than 250 should not congregate. We don't have quite 250 here, so most likely, even if that's implemented in Florida, we will still have church services here. If that changes in any way, be on the lookout for the emails. I'll send that to you and, and everything else. But you know how many people still come to church when they're ill, when they're not feeling well, when they're uncomfortable, because they just feel awkward and uncomfortable staying home? I appreciate that you have a habit it's a good habit. But are you coming just because of a habit or because you're yearning a relationship with God? How many of you come to the church, as it says on there, and you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper? How many of you come here and you're not really interested in the Word of God? How many of you come here and you're not really interested in growing in Christ and growing in virtue, but you just simply come because it's just a thing to do? It is time that you check yourself and see your motives for doing these things. Because if I were to get a group of atheists to play church, to do the things that we do, how are they any different than you? Isn't it time that you really came for what this was meant to be? To uplift God's name, to praise the Lord, and to congregate with one another, to be encouragements for one another. This week, I need you to encourage me and support me and uplift me because I'm going through a difficult time. Whereas next week, I may be able to strengthen you. After all, we are the body. You know, I told you last week, my, my wife had hurt her back. She's doing a whole lot better, still a little bit of pain. Um, 
But, you know, at first, she kind of had to, like, do this and hold on to things. And the hands were doing the job of the legs because she could barely move. Sometimes in our church, we may have some back aches, a, a bad foot, a broken toe. Broken toes are evil, by the way. You know, I, I mean, so, so you need the rest of the body to help you walk and uplift. Look what it says right here, um, 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-seven. 11, 27, and 28. Now, this is right after where it says, you know, um, that as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then look at verse 27. It says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. I have a good friend of mine, I won't say his name, but he has not partaken of communion for a couple of decades. Because when he read this, he says, I'm just not worthy, therefore I'm not even going to bother. But what the text says here is not saying, you know what, count your losses and you're done. It is saying, examine yourself and partake. In other words, find out where you are, take it to the Lord, make a change and, and move forward from there. My brother and I, you know, Flacco, Ruben, my, my older brother, I remember when we were young, my, my kid was younger, um, he was playing with my son, and I said to him, hey, when you play with him, try not to play, you know, so rough. Oh, well, I'm not going to play with him at all. That's not what I said. I said, when you play, do it differently. Oh, I'm done. When God says, hey, you're messing up, I need, I need you to change, don't come and take the role of whatever, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I'm lost, and throw in the towel. Your job is to press on and move forward. Yes, examine yourself before communion. Yes, go right ahead and do this before you partake. But the idea is an opportunity to revise where you are and come to your knees before the Lord. It says in 1 John uh, 1, 1, it says, it's not on the screen, but it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sorry, 1 John 1, verse 8. And 9 and 10. But anyways, yeah, uh, not 1-1. One, one. Uh, those three verses are wonderful where it says if you say that you have not sinned, uh, you know, you're a liar and all of that. But anyhow, you could check it out later. But the point is, is that that's the idea. You want to welcome correction. Look, look at Hebrews 12.5, and then we'll jump into Second Peter, which was the text for today. It says, and have you forgotten, and have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. The idea is that you press on and allow God to work in your life and through you for the benefit of all. Let us go ahead and, and, and hit first, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning on verse 1, and it says the following. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to pause briefly. Notice it says the word slave. Other Bible versions says a servant, but the Greek word there is doulos, which means slave or under rower. You remember those boats back in the day where all you see on the outside is this rose popping out, and there's a group of slave underneath there just rowing you see the boat move you see the effects of the slaves but you don't really see these slaves they're down at the bottom they're not seen this is that same word that is being utilized there to describe well in this case peter uh, as a servant or slave of jesus many times we get into ministry many times we worship uh, uh, god and we want people to look at us we need to just serve god without saying hey hey check me out look at me 
do you consider yourself a servant of God or not? A slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith is given to you because of the, because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Verse 2, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. This is a wonderful statement, by the way. I have learned that the more I get to know God, the closer relationship that I have, the more peace I have in my heart. When I've been wrong or when I'm going through a moment of chaos, almost like Stephen when he was being stoned, he's there just, just praising the Lord while being killed because of Jesus. Do you know what kind of peace you got to have inside of you to praise God while you're being killed because of God? As you get to know the Lord, you get peace even in moments of chaos like the world that we're in right now. Verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about living a godly life? We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us a great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruptions caused by human desire. Pretty much all of the tools that you need are found in Christ Jesus. And yet somehow that is a resource that we don't touch, that we barely tap into, that we maybe only touch once a week here for one hour. Isn't it time that we held on to him? Now look at the next part here on verse 5. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So don't, you know how we promise to God sometimes? Lord, if you do this, I promise. We can't rely on men's promises, but the word of God is something that you can truly rely on. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence is virtue. You know, there's another text in the Bible that says that faith without works is dead. We're not saved. We're not saved by, by, by our works. But if you really have faith in God and you accept his grace, then you will work. And notice what it says here. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. Here is teaching us the steps on how to grow in virtue. And moral excellence with knowledge. You have faith in God. You will do moral things correctly. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with what? Knowledge. Some of us have faith. Then we go straight to knowledge. And we forget all about virtue and moral excellences. Verse 6. In knowledge with self-control. Some of us have all the knowledge in the world. Some of you know the Bible better than I do. And I went to school for this. But yet your self-control stinks. And self-controls with patient endurance. Some of us forget all about long-suffering and patience and endurance. And look what it says. And patient endurance with what? Godliness. Some of us goes from faith to knowledge to godliness. And we forget all about self-control, virtue and moral excellences, and patient endurance. This is why we get in trouble. This is why many people don't want to set foot in the church because of all you sacred godly people who are too godly for them. And we're forgetting the steps in between. Verse 7, and godliness with brotherly affection 
and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Do you see the steps of growth as described here by Peter? And yet somehow we skip a couple of steps and we assume a form of godliness and we forget about brotherly affection and love for everyone. All I'm saying is that here's the formula for growth and virtue. If you're missing any steps, now more than ever, we need to consecrate ourselves to Christ. Now more than ever, we need to be grounded in him. Verse 8, the more you grow like this, the more productive and what? Useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know why it is that you're not being effective? In your own home, with your own children, your own grandchildren, with your neighbors, with your bosses, even in the church, you know, with the people that work for you, etc. Because you don't seem to have this completely the way that it needs to be. Therefore, we need to check ourselves and see how we can continue to grow in virtue so that we can be more useful, so that we can be more productive for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Come on now, you can't say amen. Say ouch. Verse 9. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Come on now, can't say amen. Say ouch. I mean, do you understand this? This is the growth step. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or whatever they were. I didn't count them all. But you know, those steps that I just went over, right? Those are the steps. If you are not developing in that area, there's a problem. You are either blind or you haven't really, really, really remembered where God brought you from. You still think you are a sinner in chains, not realizing that you are free. And him who the Son says free is what? Free what? Free indeed, right? Verse 10. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Verse 11, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 12, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the church you have been taught. Verse 13, sorry, standing firm in the truth you have been taught. My apologies. Verse 13, and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. Verse 14, for our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. Here he is knowing that he's going to die soon and saying, if I'm going to tell you something and it's important, this is it. Remember that you were a sinner, but remember you're no longer there. Remember that you could live godly and this is the way to do it. Verse 15, so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. 16, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. 17, we receive honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Verse 18, we ourselves heard the voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. 19, because of the, that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the dawn, day dawns, and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. 
Verse 20, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding, 21, or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. There you have it. That's the entire chapter of 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice what he's saying here. I'm going to die soon. Here's some important words. Here's how you grow in virtue. Here's the step. Don't just end with knowledge because you know what? Someone told me once that Adventist people have the biblical truth, but they lack the love of Jesus. Of course, not Tallahassee SDA, right? The other Adventist churches around the world. Not, not this one. But, you know, that's the problem. That's the problem. We kind of just achieved one thing, and we thought that that was it. But, you know, we got to crawl before we walk and walk before we run. But eventually, we want to be able to run. You can't just remain crawling your whole life. Could you imagine if all of us skipped that step and we just remain crawling everywhere? That could get painful. You know, hurt your knees and whatever else. There's a step. So when Christian people refuse to grow further... We're just being babies going around. Again, not here. But he said, I'm about to die. Here is the steps, and remember this. And not only that, he said, look, I saw this firsthand. This is not like that telephone thing that we talk about where I whispered to Kathy, and she whispers to the next, and whispered to the next, and by the time the message gets back to me, it's a totally different story. He said, look, we saw it. We were there on the mountain, and we heard the voice. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is that Jesus. He came. We saw him. He is there. You must grow in him. And I'll tell you even further. Because we got to witness what was being prophesied, because the Old Testament has over 125 prophecies about Jesus, and they have been fulfilled, we saw it with our own eyes, we heard it all, it is the truth, and we're testifying to this, and the prophets, you must believe in them. They didn't make this stuff up. They were all speaking as though they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Because they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So trust in the promises of God. The word of God and the word of the prophets that is written here, which is the word of God, is like light shining in darkness. 2020, doesn't the world look dark and ugly out there right now? Is it in a scary place? I mean, we were afraid about, about World War III in January somewhere. We have fires and all kinds of things take place, and now we have a pandemic. This thing, people are saying, well, you know, it kind of spread. We had like Zika virus and SARS and other things. Yeah, but this one has spread so much. I mean, Disney closed down. I, I mean, that's how bad it is. That thing was always open. They don't care if you get rained on. They'll send you $30 ponchos, you know. Even though you could get them a dollar tree for a dollar. But, 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 I mean, even they close. I mean, this is, this is spreading quickly. So the idea to disperse people and keep things closed down. Movie theaters are not releasing new releases yet. They're delaying them to keep people from congregating and limit the speed rate in which it's spreading because it's that bad. Yes, we've seen ugly stuff before, and we will be okay, but we haven't seen anything like this before. This has spread much quicker. And because, you know, I could be in China tomorrow and here, and here the next day, it is so easy for things to spread because of travel and how easily it is to do that. But we just need to now more than ever rely in the promises of God. Matthew 24 said things are going to get uglier. And I'm sorry to tell you, church, sort of sorry, not sorry, in the sense that it's going to get even uglier. More than ever, we must rely in the Word of God. But not only that. Not only that, not only was we relying in, in the word of God for these promises, but we ourselves, if there's ever a time to evaluate where you stand, this is set 
it is important that we grow in Christ. You cannot remain as you were. You cannot keep living your life one way or the other. You cannot be with one foot on the outside, one foot on the inside, being neither cold nor hot because there will be a time where we're going to be thrown out, spewed out by God. The clock is ticking. The Lord is not delaying in his coming. We'll study that in a couple of weeks. He's not being lackadacious. He is simply ensuring that he gives us as much of a chance as possible before he has to come and put an end to this hot mess. And so now more than ever, we got to evaluate. This is why Peter is saying, look, I'm going to die soon, but I want to make sure that I remind you of this forever. I want to make sure you keep this in your mind. And I understand this because we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, but if you love God and you accept his salvation, you will work. If you love God and you accept him, you will grow in him. You're not going to say, well, this is who I am, who I am, what I am. No. Please welcome correction. Please grow in Christ and allow him to take out of your lives every weight that hinders, that keeps you from running the race that is set before you. You know, my youngest daughter, Sophia, we adopted her. And I remember when she first came to us as a foster kid, before we adopted her, and I, I mentioned this piece before, but, but there's more to it than that. She had a difficult time adjusting to our home. Number one, we prayed at nighttime, and the very first night, she's like, I don't know how to play this game. She did not even know what prayer was. And we had to teach her to pray. We had to teach her about God. Not only that, because the last foster home she came to, there was like 14 other kids there. She was a food hoarder. We found like stuff in her room, spaghetti and other things. And this is Florida and germs and bugs and cockroaches. And I'm like, ah, why? But, but she, she thought she had to battle out. It's just three, two other kids in the house, three total, you know. And, and some of us could use a diet, you know. But, but she still managed to, to, to put her food and hide it and save it for later because that's what she was used to. Not only that, she would come, and my kids in St. Pete, you know, they had this, uh, your, you call it the Florida room. It's like sort of screened in and, and whatever. In the floor, we turned it into this kid, kid's room because I got exhausted from stepping on Legos. I, I didn't speak too Christianly every time I stepped on one of those things. So, so for the sake of the children and myself and my feet, I, we gave in the game room. In, in, in the game room where the kids were, where all their toys were, Sophia would play with the kids' toys. She brought two or three toys with her when she moved in with us, but she would not let the other kids touch her stuff. She had a difficult time sharing because she, she no, mine, 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 mine. So her food was her, her clothes were her, her toys were her. She really, really struggled with that. Not only did she struggle with that, she also struggled with lying. She was always afraid of getting in trouble. You see, for the last 18 months before coming to us, she went to seven different foster homes. We were home number eight. In a year and a half, she got moved from place to place. Why? There were behavioral issues that she was doing. There were behavioral things that she was doing. And as she did something bad, foster parent, no, no, you got to come and get her. So she kept getting kicked out and kicked out of the home. So here's what happens. Very first day, she got dropped off less than an hour. My wife takes the other two kids to school. I'm home with her. And suddenly my son's little baby cologne, I hear glass breaking, is on the floor. She's in there smelling like baby cologne, and she has a, a, a cut in her foot. And I said to her, what happened? I don't know. I was all the way over there, and I heard a bang. I came to check, and I cut myself. I said, Sophia, it's just you and me here. 
I'm in the computer working on the sermon for, for, for the church, and I'm typing up or whatever, and you are drenched in cologne, you are bleeding, you're in the puddle of both blood and cologne, and you're saying you have no idea what happened? Come on! I see you! Later on, things got so bad that we even put a camera you know, so that we could keep an eye on her if she was doing whatever in her room and in the kitchen or whatever just to make sure. And, and so we had to have that there. Um, and we had her change in the bathroom, of course, to protect her privacy. But the idea was we wasn't sure what she was going to do. She like, and I'm kind of glad she's not here today, but, you know, she almost set the house on fire like twice. I mean, she did all these different things that she has some, so right? So here's what happens. Even with the camera, I said, look, that's you right there. That's not me. And she would insist on all of this. And I said, listen, you don't get in trouble for making a mistake, but for lying about it, you will. That's a problem. So it took her a long time. Still to this day, she's got a whole lot better. By the grace of God, she's got a whole lot better. I only got to ask like three times now before she tells me the truth. Before, it would be like three or four days. Are you sure? Are you sure? Here's the camera. Look, same dimples. I mean, it is there. That's not me. So she had to learn. She had to learn that it is okay to tell the truth in the house. We're not going to get rid of her. We're not going to toss her. She's not going to get dropped off in school, and a strange government person is going to pick her up and says, well, you're not going back to the house. You're going somewhere else. You are for keeps. We will keep you. And that concept for her was very hard. That concept for her was very, very hard. And she had to say, honey, you're not a foster child anymore. Now you are a Suarez. Your name has changed. You're part of the family. We're going to keep you broken and everything. It's okay. Look, I'm broken too. It's fine. Trust me. Let my mom tell you stories someday, Grandma Gloria, and she could tell you stories. I mean, what you've done is nothing compared to what I did, and she kept me around. You know, so, so, so I share that with her, and the mindset is getting better, but she has had a rough, rough life so far and she's only 10 years old she has had a rough life but i have to keep reminding her you have been adopted you're no longer a foster kid this is for keeps no take backsies this is okay and she's adjusting to that look what peter is telling you uh tallahassee sophias or or sophos if you're dudes you know for second peter chapter one verse five in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. The knowledge here is not the knowledge like book knowledge. This is intimate knowledge. The way that Adam got to know Eve. You need to know the Lord. Really, truly know the Lord. Look, I know the precedent, but I don't really know the precedent like how I know my wife. Does, does that make sense? I may know everything about him, where he was born, his favorite color, and whatever else, all of those things, sure. But do I really know him? Some of you know the stories about Jesus amazingly, but do you really know Jesus? And knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with what? Love for everyone. In a world like this, when our children are committing suicide, when our parents and grandparents are dying, where there's a pandemic going around, in a world like this, more than ever, we need to show that love to everyone. People can argue about how strict we may, 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 we may be with our rules of do's and don'ts, but they cannot argue with the love that they feel from you. Loving people is hard, but it is very doable if you grow in virtue. Verse 8. 
The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the last text for today, verse 9. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Don't forget that you have been cleansed. Don't forget that you have been saved. Don't forget that you have been redeemed. Don't forget that you're no longer just a regular person. We can all, what does the Bible say? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we all may be called what? Children of God. If you were Sophia, you are a Suarez now. You're no longer a foster kid. You are part of the family. You had the family name. And a much better name than Suarez is to be called a child of God. So don't forget where you came from and live like you have the inheritance. Live like you are a child of the king. So grow in virtue. Let us pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, we're asking that you help us continue to grow further in you, Christ Jesus. We're asking, Father God, that you help us remember always that we're no longer slaves to sin, but that we have been set free and that we are redeemed. Help us now grow in that manner and be a light into this world and share your love with others. Lord, work in us and through us for the benefit of all. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen. If you're able to, I'm going to